Hey guys, it's Sammy and Robbie back again to tell you about another upcoming con. And we're super excited about this one. Mm-hmm. It's another Indiana one. This one is PopCon, Indie PopCon to be exact. And it's going to be in Indianapolis, again at the Convention Center. Indiana Convention Center. Right in downtown Indianapolis. And Robbie will be there April 26th through the 28th. Yes. We were just at the Indiana Comic-Con, so if you missed us, Mm -hmm. you get a chance to meet us again Mm -hmm. at PopCon. Yes. Well, at least Robbie. At least me. Ashley will be there. Oh, yeah. Ashley will be there. That's an exciting thing. Ashley will be there, so you get to meet a lot of us on the network. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, two-thirds. Two-thirds of it, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, if you're coming to the show, please stop by the Limitless Broadcasting booth. Mm -hmm. We're always excited to see you. All right. Oh, my God. Well, I guess we'll see you guys at the show. Bye. Bye. You're listening to the Limitless Broadcasting Network. What's your favorite scary movie? What's the boogeyman? You hang up on me again, I'll cut you like a fish, understand? It's showtime. All right, guys, welcome back to You Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Robbie. And I'm Sammy. And today we have a special show for you today. Uh, it's our recap of what happened at Spooky Empire. Mm-hmm. What did you think of Spooky Empire? It was a lot of fun. It was very so busy. Much fun. Oh, my gosh. It was crazy busy from the start to now Sunday. It did finally slow down. Yes. A little bit. But Friday, that was busy normally fridays are not like i think see i think friday was one of our better days at the show uh saturday was the busiest day but yeah friday was busier than normal for a a friday yeah when you go to one of these things so it was a lot of a lot of fun to be there Mm -hmm. a lot of fun to see everybody we've been to enough shows now that people are starting to recognize our brand Mm -hmm. and i think it's fun Mm -hmm. that people come up and say hey we tuned into your show or we saw this or saw that and or you're walking around wearing one of the masks that we sold you very cool or a shirt or something Mm -hmm. like that or a shirt saw that too yeah so Mm -hmm. that's very very cool Mm -hmm. yeah it was a, a lot a lot of fun unfortunately didn't get to really talk to a lot of celebrities now you did get to you got to talk to people but celebrity wise their yeah interviews that's what i was trying to get at because the strike with the strike when robbie went to go ask about it a lot of them were like well they're not really doing interviews right now because of what's going on plus some people had very long lines Yes. Robert England. <clears throat> so I guess we should congratulate SAG after as of this recording. Yeah. They officially ended the strike. Yep. SAG after has, uh, what do you say? They're working on ratifying it. Yeah, right? there is. They have a, an attentive agreement mm-hmm. with studios. Nobody really knows the details yet yep. after the ratification meeting, but mm-hmm. the strike is over. Woo. So Congratulations to SAG after and the AMPTP mm-hmm. for coming together and yes. ending the strike. Yes. So now what does that mean? What does that look like for Hollywood? 
I feel like there's going to be a major content shortage here in the mm-hmm. very future. Yeah, it sure is, because no one's back to work quite yet. So supporting independent media like ours, you get up-to-date content, fresh mm-hmm. content. Always. And we have so many cool people coming on this show yes. for you guys. We have some great interviews that we've lined up. So definitely keep checking out the show. We're so excited. I mean, you see us at the shows and we're selling shirts and merch and everything like that, but that's not what we do. I mean, we produce television and we're mm-hmm. producing podcast shows. Mm-hmm. We're doing this, we're doing that. Last weekend, I was in New York pitching pitching a cartoon. Mm-hmm. So yes. I'm always doing something. And so we apologize about the delay in getting this particular episode out. We needed to record this, right. <laughs> the intro. So it makes sense and we could kind of do a little talking about what was going on and what happened with Spooky Empire and somebody. And I, then I got strep throat. Yeah. So he really could not sit here and talk. He's still not 100%, but I asked if he would be up for it to uh, get this recorded so I get the episode edited and out. But yeah, sorry about the delay, but real yeah. life things happen, unfortunately. You got to work around it. And of course, with my work schedule, you also had to wait until there was a a day to record. But either way, uh, some of the interviews that we have coming up, we're super excited. We had to move one of them again because of me, the sickness. (laughs) Yeah, we don't mind doing this with him being a little under the weather. But when we're talking to people that we're actually interested in, we really don't want you to be sick. So yeah, yeah. but those are very exciting. A lot of stuff coming up, a lot of things that we're lining up more and more to come. We still need to do some more movie review episodes as well. We talked about doing Blade forever ago. I'm so sorry. Between Spookala and Spooky Empire and then him traveling kind of last minute and then him being sick last minute. It's yeah, it just kind of. We will get to Blade. Blade yes. is one of my favorite movies. So Robbie, yeah, he is. We have not forgotten about Blade, and there's some other newer movies that we'd like to go see in theaters and hopefully be able to chat about too. And Robbie's reviews will be up and running um, again, again. It's hard when he's you know under the weather. Yeah, I have <laughs> to get that done. Three or four episodes coming to you. Mm-hmm, but still working on those. There's there's a lot of cool movies in theaters. Mm-hmm. Right, yeah, coming up and right now. Right down there is. Yeah. So. Plus, uh, of course, if you always want your fix, the Pixie Dust Twins, we have not fallen behind at all. So kudos to us for keeping each other accountable. And if you're listening to those episodes, Dan will be back on our next episode where we're talking about, yeah, The Princess Bride. So if you love that movie, definitely go check that out. They're coming to Megacon, the stars of... uh, I just saw that. That's very cool. I feel like the guy's going to cancel. Carrie and Robin. Why? Because every don't you he was supposed to be at Spokala, he was supposed to be at Spooky Empire, and every time something happens. Well, Megacon is a bigger deal, and so he has to cancel. So I'm Hopefully waiting. Not. I'm like, okay. She'll Hopefully show not. up. She'll show up. Hopefully but not. He there'll be some reason that he'll have to cancel. Maybe. Anyway, so let's let's just get back to what this episode is. So this episode that you're gonna be listening to now, you're going to hear lots of Robbie because again the way that the booth is set up for interviews it really I can't really squeeze my way in there I mean I could very awkwardly but I won't so we have many many interviews it's going to be a long episode for you guys 
we've got a the first to kick it off. Keep going. We have an actor. Dun dun dun. dun. I will let him introduce himself though, but you will definitely know who he is if you're a big horror fan and if you're a big fan of either potato sacks or hockey masks. Hint, hint, wink, wink. If you're listening to this, wink. There you go. After that, we've got several authors that Robbie had the pleasure of interviewing, plus one social influencer. Yeah. A young, oh, she was adorable. We'd actually like to have her back. Well, actually, we want to have like everybody back yeah. <laughs> realistically to talk on the shows. But for her, we want to invite her back on the um, Painful Truth podcast and to share more of her story because um, she's got a lot going on and such a positive attitude. You know? mm-hmm. But yeah, that's what's in store for this episode. Several, several very cool interviews, mostly with authors and it was just a lot of fun. Let us know what you think of these interviews. Let mm-hmm. us know if you like them. Do you like the format? Do you like it switching it up a little bit? We'll always go transition back to the, the format we have, but uh, we always give mm-hmm. you something different. Mm-hmm. Uh, we like going to shows. We yeah. horror mm-hmm. conventions. You meet yeah. everybody. Mm-hmm. So let us know what you think of the episode. And since we're speaking of conventions, just real quick, our next convention is going to be right at the beginning of December. If you're in the Orlando area, we're going to PopCon. That's Pop K-O-N. It's a small convention. It is not a horror convention. It's a collector's convention that we were told about by someone we met at Spookella. Yes. Our neighbor. And um, recommended that we go check it out. I think um, she's from Lobster Collectibles, I believe, is the name of hers. Yeah. So check her out too. Um, but yeah, she recommended that we should go check that out. So we signed up and we're going to see how that one goes, but it's a smaller con and yeah. I think it'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. So. All right. So you ready to dive into the episode? Yeah. Enjoy the show. All right. Here we go. Hey guys, this is Robert with You Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast and we are at Spooky Empire and I am joined with... Warrington Gillette, Jason Voorhees from Friday the 13th, Part 2. I'm first Jason to kill. Yeah, that... So, take us back. How did you get involved with the Friday the 13th franchise? Like everybody else, you're going to go to your favorite acting school. I'm at Lee Strasberg in New York. I'm going through the program, Stanislavski, try to figure out a little method acting, trying to get my game together, my act together. Uh, you get out of there, you get an agent, and you're beating feet on the streets of New York City, like everybody else, trying to make whatever happen you can. So the agent submits you to a casting for Friday the 13th, part two. Uh, they give you the script, the script said Jason, and I got submitted to play the counselor at the camp. Correct. And then they, in the final furlong, they go, oh, we're gonna take John Fury. I said, okay, fine. But we would love to prefer to have you be Jason. So that was the beginning of it. I'm like, well, what is he doing? What does he say? What's going on here? I, you know, they give me the script, said Jason on it. And uh, there was no frame of reference because this was the beginning of his role. Right. To kill for mommy. Right. This is right. At, so for you guys that are not familiar with the franchise, this is the second one. Like his mom, Mrs. Voorhees, spoiler alert, was the killer in number one. And then you take over and you don't even have your mask yet. You have that 
potato sack with a hole. Right. Well, they copied the uh, serial killer yeah, from, from uh, the town of Dreaded Sundown, Sundown, Texas. Yep. And they figured, oh, okay, we're, we're going to have Jason uh, be concealed with the potato sack. Right, right. And what do you think about that show, Town That Dreaded Sundown? A pretty shocking, shocking story, and interesting that become sort of the frame of reference to create this this vigilante, this character named Jason. Even Wes, Wes Craven named it in uh, Scream. Dewey, yeah, brought that up. That's how 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 iconic that sh- that sh- movie is. It kind of started the whole thing. Well, it's interesting that it shifted because first. It's mommy getting revenge right. over the possible wrongful death of her son. Right. Oh, he supposedly drowned at Crystal Lake due to negligence of the counselors. Correct. Oh, so mommy gonna go up there and whack all the counselors. Okay. Then all of a sudden it shifts. She's killed. Jason survived. Now Jason is killing everybody to get revenge of his mother. So let me ask you, how was it on set when you were shooting? Like... The, with the potato sack over it, your head? Yeah, How I mean, was it, that? it was, look, it was all very overwhelming and shocking. If you're young, you've never done it before. Right. And so you're up there on a set, you're all excited. It's a, it's a, a paramount picture. Like, yeah. Oh my God. Uh, full union. Oh my God. And you're there. Director's telling you what to do. Oh, uh, there were multiple, there was, the, uh, you know, I had a stunt guy also. You're right, absolutely. And so they had us both uh, doing things with the sack on and, and and stunts that we had never done before. Right. I, You know, whether it's impaling the couple in the bed or going down backwards of the wheelchair and uh, where Tom McBride was killed with a machete to the face. But whatever it was, it all culminated in this monstrous blast through the window. Absolutely. I will tell you, we, we recently rewatched the whole Jason movies, and the the way you guys choose to kill is so confusing to me. Like, you just, he just kills at random. Even if you're not even outside, you're going to get killed. Yeah, he's a psycho killer. I mean, come on. Psycho killer. But I was going to tell you one interesting thing to note. The Academy Awards did a tribute to horror three, four years ago. Uh-huh. They gave that scene blasting through the window is the best Academy Award, best scene ever made in a horror film. No, I can understand that. Because so there you are. You can't beat that. So, <laughs> so I, you know, obviously we got a bunch of other Jasons going here, but at least, I mean, I'm happy to say, wow, to get an award like that. Yeah. I have my place in horror history. So do you get spotted out and about a lot? Are people like, oh, that's you? Well, only because they've seen a lot of the interviews of the making of Friday 13th. Uh, they've seen it. Oh, I know you from the DVD. I've had people come up to me in the grocery store. They know who I am. It's kind of crazy. I'm um, assuming you're based out of LA. I know. I'm, I'm kind of based in South Florida. Okay. Oh, wow. Really? We are too. And I'll tell you something shocking. My father, losing a parent is one of the worst things to happen to you in your life, so everybody can relate. Yeah. I lose my father on Friday the 13th. Oh my God! He I... has lunch with his heiress wife and drops dead. I have... right. So he's dead at two thirty. They didn't call nine one until nine thirty. Well, of course I'm the kind of guy. I'm Jason. I'm going to say, well, excuse me. What was in the lunch? Yeah. So anyway, long story short, I parlayed all of my suspicions surrounding this sudden mysterious death 
It's my own film project, which I've discussed for many years as I've developed it, all with my own resources, called Bloody Social. Okay. Murder in Palm Beach. That website, bloodysocialmovie.com. It's a little bit difficult to go out here and raise $5 million to do an indie film. Absolutely. I've tried it all. I've made music. It's on the website. And now... I made a big uh, 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 advancement by saying, you know, I'm going to do a book. Okay. My book will launch in a couple of months. Okay. Yes, this is Quentin Tarantino meeting Alfred Hitchcock and Warrington in Palm Beach. Okay. Hello. And yeah, uh, the conspirators who played a role in the death of Jason's father are going to get whacked. And As they should. Some, they're racist, anti-Semitic. Jason will whack these conspirators and ultimately whack the Black Widow who killed his father. As he should. So we're going to launch the book. Okay. The Bloody Social Book. Okay. Dramatic thriller that will segue into, I believe, a really fabulous partnership. You guys can be involved. Okay. Of people that will own the Bloody Social movie. Okay. We'll do a book and a movie. Okay. Let me ask you, why didn't you try to be more... Uh, a part of more of the franchise than to- I was never asked okay. and when my time was up it was up uh, we didn't discuss it okay and it went on Richard Booker then went on to the next guy the next guy till I get a call oh we want you on Good Morning America what oh yeah we're gonna line up uh, six of the Jasons and, and talk to them and, and see where are they today Okay. That was when I first met C.J. Grant. We've been great friends ever since. Okay. But it would be really cool. I get a copy of that tape. You could play it on one of your podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Highlights of it could be fun. Yeah, uh, definitely. Let me ask you, how did you get involved with Spooky Empire? How did you get invited to the I show? I first met the, the incredible Montelli family, wow, more than 20-some years ago, or 20-whatever, well, they were conducting a con. It was called Screen Fest. Okay. Plantation, Florida. Okay. And God bless them. I mean, today is their 20th anniversary, and it has evolved from a small thing in Plantation, Florida, with a different name, to this Spooky Empire show. This is one of the biggest things I've seen outside of Comic-Con in San Diego. Absolutely. I'll tell you. I went Shocking. To, I went to my first Spooky Empire this week, nine years ago. Let me tell you, not many people can create a venue and fill a space like this. Absolutely not. In Orlando, not. come on. It is, it is, this is enormous. So besides your indie project, do you have any, obviously not right now, but do you have any mainstream projects coming up, like film projects? I, I get parts and little movies here and there. Okay. Uh, uh, nothing really as big and as monumental as my bloody social movie project. Okay. I do have a real estate uh, company in Palm Beach, Florida, uh, okay. which is part of Compass. Okay. And I have a whole page in the in the magazine here. Okay. And people would come at me left and right. I'm your killer realtor. Killer okay. realtor. So if so, we're killing it in the state of Florida. Our firm will do uh, 22 billion this year. Wow. Compass as number one in Florida. That's great. So I'm a, a Compass killer agent. <laughs> That's great. So if somebody hears this podcast and wants to book you for an interview, how do they get a hold of you? Well, the, the easiest way since we've discussed it is Warrington, my email, warrington at 
bloodysocialmovie.com. Okay. Or you can go on Instagram. I'm very easy to find there. My Instagram address, Jason2, number two, Jason2, Warrington Gillette. Okay. And I got thousands of followers. They couldn't be nicer. And the pictures are fabulous. And I make little promo film clips wherever I go. Okay. And the one is posted up now for Spooky Empire is fantastic. Okay. If I say so myself. No, no, <laughs> absolutely. Well, thank you so much for your time. We really well, appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. Hello, guys. This is Robert. We're back at uh, Spooky Empire. This is our last day, Sunday. Today's Sunday. Woohoo, last day. So I'm joined with, who am I joined with? I am Thomas Michael Thomas, horror and occult author. Uh, I'm here set up at Spooky Empire, selling books and having an absolute blast. I just released a new book called A Thin Veil of the Cosmos. You can refer to me as Michael, though. It is my real name. Okay, uh, Michael. I my author name. There's a guy named Michael Thomas that exists in the football world. I don't follow sports. you got to forgive me. I don't follow sports either, so yeah, I don't, right. so, don't uh, hold that I against you. I no way I could beat that algorithm of a football player in the NFL. His name is Michael Thomas. So I just threw Thomas in the front, but everybody calls me Michael. So thank you. Thank you, Robert, for having me. Appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you for wanting to come on the show. So let's back up. You say you're an author. Yes, How long have you been an author? Well, we're in a fortunate world where people don't need to send their stories to get rejected by publishers. By publishers. But you can publish on your own. Right. And there's many, many, many different levels of that. There's people who just put out a Kindle book and they call themselves an author and that works and that's true. Or you could put all into it as hard as possible and buy ads and get in algorithms and do the impressions and things you're supposed to do in the marketing world. But I do have physical copies of my books. And I'm assuming you're a ladder of the two. Yeah, I try to, I mean, years and years and years ago, I used to be in a hardcore band and we were indie. We, did, we weren't signed at all, but we pushed as hard as possible to make your band sound the best. And you can do that. If you're very DIY, there's different levels of DIY. And uh, DIY could be bare bones, like it looks DIY and feels it. It's kind of like if somebody, you have these shirts here, these look beautiful. And uh, we appreciate Jason, that. My friend Jason said that your shirts are awesome. That's what he, that's how you started your friendship. Yeah. I, and you guys do a good job with that. Or there's guys who could also make their shirts and they can sell them outside a concert on a screen printer in their basement. Right. And they're both DIY, but there's your, your different levels. Your different levels. So yeah, I would like absolutely. to think that a higher level of DIY as, a, uh, as an independent. No, absolutely. I have a book out. It's through iUniversity. It's called Be Still and Know, Healing from Within. Okay. So I know the kind of the publishing world a little bit. Right. I'm mostly into the production side of things. We have the podcast network. We're right, producing right. content for our own streaming platform. So my next question is, how did you get into the horror? Well, I've always been a, a horror nut, but and I'm, I'm sure you're, this, you're the same. But when you see everything, when you see all your slashers and all your... And I was on a panel last night and we were talking about the films that everybody talks about in horror. deserve to be talked about. Everybody knows Halloween. Everybody knows Friday the 13th. Everybody knows... If you're an 80s kid, you're, you know the franchises. But there's this whole undercurrent of horror that, it, that is, exists that sometimes it gets forgotten or starts to resurface again when you just get these remasterings of old classics or something right. that kind of fell by the wayside back in the 70s because maybe they had a limited release or there was a smaller production company. Right. So I really got into smaller horror and uh, 
independent stuff, a lot of foreign stuff, French stuff, 70s, 70s movies. And I got so into it, I'm like, I think I could come up with a couple of these stories. I don't need to come out with the big blockbuster. I'm okay with being a nine to five guy. I'm gonna okay. some really cool, small, independent stories that are near and dear to my heart that at the same time, I I hide some of myself in these characters and then it becomes therapeutic at a point, which is fun to say that writing horror can be therapeutic. Absolutely. Yeah. It is therapeutic. Yeah. So who were the authors that inspired you to do what you do today? Um, you could always say King because it, he's deserved for, for the credit that, that, I mean, we all know King. You go to Barnes & Noble, your horror section, if it's a smaller horror section, 85% of it's King. And then they have like a little section for like other horror authors. But, right, right. But I don't know, honestly, who I would be today if I never watched Stand By Me. It's okay. Stand By Me hit me so hard as a kid. So when I sell this book, uh, The Evil in the House, people are like, what are your, what is this like? I was like, it's like the X-Files meets Stand By Me. So, yeah. And so I have that connection with your, and Stranger Things taps into that as well. Okay. That like, the youth and your, it's fun and it's 80s and you're talking about toys and you're talking about girls, but there's monsters somewhere in there too. There's something Absolutely. Like, it's like the movie, um... Monster Squad has. That oh too. my goodness! Do you it's love Monster Squad? And we just watched it the other night. I absolutely love it. It's that's a beautiful movie. So underrated. Oh yeah. So we're we're gonna go on a tangent yeah. now. And you open. Didn't do well when it came out. This yeah. is the Crazy thing about that. So movie. you know that the Monster Squad was a first time director, right? Yeah. And right. it flopped at the box office. Right. That's right. why he didn't get a sequel. It's it's sad. And it's now it has such a cult following. Yeah. That people are like, oh. I have my own like art coming out for uh, shirts for yeah. the Monster Squad. I wanted to bring it to this con, but yeah. I had two weeks in between this con and my last con, okay. and I was like, I couldn't do it. So then I'll have that out later. Is it gonna be kick them in the arts? Is it gonna be arts related? One of them. One of them. Well, <laughs> you you have to have that when you're talking about Monster Squad. Yeah, yeah. Kick them in the nards. Kick them in, in the nards. Yeah. Wolfman has nards. Yeah. It's beautiful. But. I could talk to you all day about Monster Squad, but I really want to talk to you about your books. Thank, thank you. I appreciate that. But before we do that, one of my favorite things in Monster Squad is when they all do the pile on with their hands. Uh-huh. And it's Frankenstein's monster's hand and then the dog's dog. Dog. That's... Yes. You can't get more 80s than that if it's Frankenstein's monster hanging out in the clubhouse with the kids and the dog's paw goes on top. Absolutely. That's a beautiful moment. Don't you think Rhodey is like, how does the dog even get up here? <laughs> And, and you kind of wonder at that, like, yeah. how does a dog get up there? Do you just carry it or, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, there's another, one of my favorite things, there's been a Horus shoots the Gilman. I'm a Gilman fan. I have a Gilman tattoo. That's awesome. But all the other monsters are so hard to kill, except for the mummy. The mummy gets killed by yeah. the bow and arrow. But when Gilman gets killed, I'm like, he's way more tougher than that. He would he would just cut through the police just like just like Dracula did. But, but Hor Horus was a powerful character, too. My name... Is, is Horus. It's wonderful. So, no, absolutely. That is one of the best lines. Oh, my God, yeah. And he deserved it because he got picked on so hard in the beginning. Yes. And then I think it's Wayne from the Wonder Years. Yes. Can you believe that? Yes. Yes. You look at him and he's like, oh, it's the guy from the Wonder Years being an asshole. Playing, he's just playing Wayne from the Wonder Years. Yeah, basically, like he's yeah. a punchable face character. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> absolutely. Another great scene is that. It's your last chance for pie. Yeah. The scary oh, German yeah, guy. Yes. Yeah, that is the best. It, it, and you, you're building it up like it's going to be like a Burbs moment. Yes. You're like, he's going to be a villain. And you're right, you're like right. The sweetest guy. Yeah, and he's just like, oh, I want to be in your club. I want to help you out. And so, yeah. That's awesome. Um, I related with 
the leather coat kid. I can't remember. Rudy. Rudy. I, I was going to ask Rudy you so much. Who is your favorite character in the Monster Squad? Getting to, I don't know who I would be as a person if I didn't have these films. And this is the interesting thing about films. They brand you. Yes. They mold you. As a young age. Absolutely. I kind of feel bad for younger generations because we had Karate Kid when we were younger. Right. And it had three movies, I think. I think they went to Karate Kid 3. Yeah. But then the Cobra Kai came out. And I don't, I didn't watch it. I heard it was great. But it was like five seasons of that. Yeah. But I have a taxi driver tattoo of a film that I saw in 1989. I'm an old fart. But I saw it in 1989, and I have that tattoo of a movie that's maybe an hour and 40 minutes long, and that branded my life. But kids now have so much to watch. They're kind of like, I don't know, should I watch this five-series show with yeah. ten episodes? And they binge it, and I don't know if the lines are as quotable as Monster right. Squad or as, are you they're, talking to me with Taxi Driver? I think there's an oversaturation. They're not iconic. Yeah. I mean, media is so abundant nowadays. I agree with you. It's just they have over 500 stations. Yeah. You and I growing up, we had to be in front of our TV. We had to TiVo it. Yes. I mean, we, we couldn't get around all that. We had taped it on an actual VHS tape. Yes. And kids don't know. I mean, they pull out their phones and stream everything. Right. It has to be accessible. It has to be now. A movie like Apocalypse Now, like on their phone. Like, they yeah. just these wide anamorphic things on the small screen. Christopher Nolan hates that. Oh, He's no. like, the internet is the death, death to filmmaking. Yeah. He's like, uh, everybody should be in the theater. That's why yeah. um, IMAX sponsored him. That's why IMAX brand sponsored his brand because they do all the anamorphic stuff they shoot everything bigger yeah, and they yeah. want you to have that cinematic experience and you remember the film more yeah and there's like have you I'm seen oppenheimer i haven't i haven't oh seen my it goodness yet. you need to de- it's three hours long but you don't feel like you're in the theater for I three hours this past year i edited um my second book a thin veil of the cosmos it took me months to edit it and i i kind of like i, I kind of turned into um a, 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 a hermit, a miser, an old, an old curmudgeon. I was just editing so much. Right. I, did, I didn't know there were there was things happening in the world that I was unaware of. And my right. Right. Like, Do you want to binge watch this show? I'm like, yes, it sounds good. And then I would come out of there, and she was like, oh, I just finished it. Like, <laughs> but a week would have went by, and I was my Macintosh said I was editing six hours a night. Wow. Said, Morning, your your computer usage is at this level. I was like, oh my god, that's bad. I, I work in nine to five too. So I'm the same way. When I'm working on a project, like I'm working on a strike project, so I went to LA and filmed it. For our streaming network, I'm shooting original content. Okay. So I'm trying to get this out yeah. before the actual strike actually ends. Wow. Okay. So I've been so we we were just at Spokala and then Tampa and then after we left there I've been editing that and shooting that right. and molding it into the masterpiece it's going to be. That's awesome. But then we came here, so I I totally get you. And she, Sammy knows that. Like, when I get on a project, it's just, it's hard to tear me away. It's hard, and it's good when that obsessive button hits, because as soon as I got done editing, I... You're, you're already wired to work on something else and I had nothing else to work on. So, right. so I was like, I have piles of books that I haven't read and piles of movies I'm still, I still buy physical media. Right. I piles of DVDs. I'm like, I gotta get into these. I haven't given myself time. Sorry if I clapped on the podcast. No, it's I, fine. That's my, that's my uh, hand tick it's, thing. No, it's okay. So, but, um... Now I get to dig into those things I've been putting off all year long. To watch Oppenheimer and watch shows. I heard there's a new. Definitely um, recommend Oppenheimer. There's a new show people are talking about on on Netflix that's put out by the guy who did the vampire one. 
what the H is it? Is it that he did the Haunting of Hill House? What what show am I talking about? I don't, I don't, what's the new What's the new show on Netflix that everybody's talking about? There's a new horror series on Netflix, and I would recommend it to watch it. And people who are listening right now are yelling at me. I know. They're like, oh, this guy's dumb. I'm never going to read his book. I know who you're. what you're talking yeah, about. Yeah. But I can't think of that either. So if you you know what it is, put it in put it into the comments below. Put it in the comments below. I apologize, everybody. It's but okay. That shows how much of a cocoon I've been in. It's with, okay with, uh, with with writing and editing. So let's get back to your books. Thank you. Thank you. Sorry. Let's no. I I'm the host. I gotta get it back. So let's talk about your first book. Sure. The evil within the house. The evil within the house. Um, I have this theory, and it goes to like. I believe that people are more terrifying and scary than the monsters. So there's two boys, uh, starts off, lose their, their friend, and uh, they want to speak to him through uh, a Ouija board, and they go and they, they do a seance. Let me pause for yeah, I yeah. lost my father uh, 20 years ago. Okay. And so the week after he died, I, I did the same thing. I went to Target and bought a Ouija board. Really? And I went into his bedroom, his bathroom and everything, lit candles and everything. And I tried to use a Ouija board to contact him. Yeah. And it did not work. Right, right, right. And I was so pissed. Right. I boxed it back up and yeah. took it back to Target. <laughs> and I was like, you sold me a defective product. Wow. How old were you at the time? I was 23. Wow. But okay. I w my dad was just hit by a drunk driver. Oh, jeez. And... So I'll tell you the story. My yeah. dad was hit by a drunk driver. Yeah. It killed him, his da my dad's girlfriend, and another guy in the accident. Wow. So it, the guy killed three people. And I was, it was like a week after his funeral, and I was super pissed and yeah. angry, yeah. and I just wanted to talk to him. Right. And it didn't work. Right. And I took it back to Target and yelled at them, and I was like, this is defective. Right. Target literally sent me a $50 gift card. Really? And they were like, we're sorry we sold you a product that didn't work. But I think after I laid out everything that was going on, yeah. I think the girl made that happen. And I was I was so apologetic. I was like, I'm it's so grief, sorry. Grief does that. And that's, that's okay. If you're angry, some people go right to anger. Some people go right to questioning with grief. And uh, this, the, this. So that's what, so right. get back to your book. Yeah, so this, this it, I relate the, to that. It's funny. Oh, I'm holding this up. It does relate with grief and grieving. I think you can you can make a universe of monsters, you can make a universe of spaceships, you can make that, but you've got to have a connection with your characters. Yeah. So grieving boys in the 1980s, it's set in the 80s, is, to me, that's a connection. And that's me. Yeah, and, right. And you, we're kind of just older, grayer versions of our child, our childlike selves. So right, right. Like, we still like, and especially we're spoiled now when we see resurgences of Voltron or like, or, or He-Man or Thundercats. We're like, oh, I, I, I live for this stuff when I was a kid. And then younger kids get into it, it's cool, but you're kind of like, it brings the kid out of you. So when I wrote this, I was like, Stand By Me meets the X-Files as in these boys communicate to their friend, or they think they're communicating with their friend in the Swedish board. And uh, it turns out it, to be a demon, doesn't it? Well, it's goes. I go to the cosmic level. So I okay. always say I'm a, I, I am coming of age cosmic horror. But I throw this whole other thing, and I'll throw this. I'll, I'll throw the story into it because it, it, it is emotional for the for any for anyone here. 
Um, the boys end up going into this haunted house to get this pendant because one of them believes that this pendant that he has, this magical pendant, can cure cancer. This is what he this is what he heard with this this occult item. And if it cures cancer, his grandmother would be healed of this cancer. And I had lost my uncle to cancer years ago. I apologize. And um, if she gets healed, then he's not going to get kicked out of his house. He'll be able to stay with his grandma. Or if she dies, then he's going to be homeless, or he's going to go live with his deadbeat dad. So. I wrote the story, and about two years ago, I had this sitting on the counter, and my 81-year-old friend came over to visit my wife and myself in our new house, and my wife says, hey, Ed, um, Michael wrote this book over here, and I only had one. I ordered one on Amazon. I think it was a proofer, and I'm like, I was taking pictures of the on Instagram. It was all excited. I had my own physical copy, and he stole it. He took it. Ed grabs it, and he goes, good, I have something to read. He goes, sit down. I got something to tell you. And he sits down and tells me that he has cancer and he's going through chemo. And I was like, Ed, I'm so sorry. He goes, I'm an old man. I'm 81 years old. He goes like, I hope they don't operate on me. He goes, I hope it goes quick. Two years pass and then I'm writing this book. And what, I'm still what's, busy. What's your other book? The second book is called A Thin Veil of the Cosmos. Okay. Um, uh, plot twist. This is dedicated to him. He had just passed. Okay. And um, it's very beautiful. And my, my mother-in-law uh, read that part and she texted me immediately. She's like, I cried at the intro that you dedicated to that man. She's like, for being a horror writer, she's like, you really tapped into this emotional thing. And I was like, it's, you know, it's the guy, too, I thought I was gonna lose the guy. And here he read it and I wanted to go visit him. He goes, you tell those boys that when they're done using that pendant, that I need to borrow it too. I'm like, man, you just, it was like a punch in the stomach because he was almost making comedy out of some sort of fictitious world and, and a fake cold object that I made. Right. And he's like, applying it to his life as an 81 year old guy that's beautiful though that's did, very beautiful did you kind of get that inspiration from monster squad the amulet when they're like oh we gotta go home in limbo no but i get i, I, do, I, do I can see it. i can see the connection it probably there is in my brain somewhere. subconsciously yeah i have both these books tied to some occult guy from the 80s that i'm sorry from the 1800s and one item ends up in in this book the evil in the house where it's the pendant and another item is for the second book he's a thin veil of the cosmos where he writes this book about channeling your 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 psychic energy or your your um your ambiance or your chi and through the universe and be able to communicate with with um intelligent life and okay. the lead girl in here is a goth girl and it's her versus the religious town and she gets abducted by aliens oh wow forgets everything and they drop her off in the middle of a of a town baseball game and she gets chased by a ufo cult she gets uh, a tinfoil hat man comes after her wow the fbi are questioning if she's the men in black saying yes exactly so um, this one's near and dear to my heart as well, uh, but the first one, and I could say both of these because I don't think my family will listen to, not that it's your podcast, they won't listen to something that I will be on, but the first one is a forgiveness letter to my biological father for not being around. So okay. at the very, very end when you get to it, you're kind of like, damn, that's supposed to be horror and science fiction. Right. And it's really just some old horror guy writing about how he's able to forgive and let go. I gotcha. Of just bitterness. And the you, same thing is with this. Do you, got, do you have any audio books? I know people are no, going to ask I, me. I don't. I Are you going to be any, doing that? I should. Um, there's, a, there's a there's a way to do it that's easy for indie people, and I have not knocked on those doors yet. But well, I, I definitely think you should do that. I should. People are going to be asking me where you can get your audiobooks. Where can people find these when they want to buy this? You can go to uh, – I, I go through Amazon. You can go on there now. If you actually are listening today, you can go on there now, and you can get A Thin Veil of the Cosmos for free. It's for free on Kindle today. I'm running a promotion. Yesterday, I did one for The Evil Within the House. I'm so happy that I actually did very 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 well um but amazon 
You can find me on Instagram at Delamorte Delagore, which is taken from the Italian horror film Delamorte Delamore. Okay. I just put gore in there. Okay. Um, you can just look up Thomas Michael Thomas, The Evil Within the House okay. on Google, and it'll take you to everything, or you can find me on thomasmichaelthomas.com as well. Awesome. 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 So I really appreciate it. Anything else you want to add? Uh, I think the world will be a better place if people are just nicer to each other. That's probably my, why I want to close out everything, because uh, the world is a sick and crazy place, and despite being a horror author, I think if you uh, smile at strangers and give head nods to um, to people and pet dogs and cats, we probably could have a better place to live in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you so much thank for you. coming you. on. Uh, this is You Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast. Again, I'm your host. Sammy will be on later in the episode, but we really appreciate it. Thank we'll you, definitely have you back on. Please. You've been a great get- guest. Yeah. I know this is kind of a quick interview, but... I could see us going deeper. Hell yeah. So this kind of just scratches the surface. So I love it. I love thank it. Thank you, you very so much. much. Thank you for this great setup. What's up, guys? We're back. It's uh, You Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast with your host. I'm Robbie, and I'm joined with Jessica. Jessica, how are you doing? I am doing really well. How are you doing? Very long weekend for us. We're at Spooky Empire. This is day three. You've been here all weekend. Yes, I can agree. It's definitely been a long weekend, and today I'm sad to see it end, but I'm also happy at the same time. Okay, let's back up. Are you from Orlando, or are you from the area, surrounding area? Um, I live about 40 minutes away from Orlando. Okay, so you guys drove in for the weekend. Yes. And got a hotel in the host hotel. No, we actually, we've been driving back and forth every day, so. Oh my God, that's, that's determination right there. Thank you. We were going to do that for Spooky or Spokala in uh, Tampa, but we were like, uh, we're vendors, we have all this equipment, we're just going to get a room down there. So we did not end up doing that. That makes a lot of sense. I wouldn't want to have to like pack everything up and bring it back all that way to have to set it up again in the morning. Yeah. So who got you in the door? Like, why did you want to come to this event? Um, I love Halloween and I have an Instagram and a company called Teens Want to Know reached out. And if you remember what Teen Beat Magazine is from like the 80s and 90s, we are now the digital version of them. And we as teenagers and young adults um, go around and we just get exposure for the brand and ourselves and we can network. And it's been a super awesome experience and opportunity to be working under them. So what do they have? What kind of stuff do they have you do? Just go around to events like this? Um, they. My last event was actually a fashion show for like kids and teenagers. So I did that last. And then they like to send us to events like these because there's so many awesome people and so many people we can network with also. But we do fashion shows. We do parties. Um, like in L.A., one of my friends just did coverage of that giant Alice in Wonderland influencer party. Okay. So it's a lot of stuff like that. So you would basically say you're more of an influencer. Yes. Okay. No, that makes sense. So have you done other events like this or other influencer events? Um, This has been the only Comic-Con that I've done so far, but we're looking to break more into these um, different cons to bring cosplay back to like the kids and show them that you can really be whatever you want to be and just not care about what anybody else thinks. Okay. What do you guys also do? What else do you do? What? for being an influencer how do you become an influencer for the people that want to be influencers um it takes a lot of determination and a lot of patience there's a lot that goes into it even though a lot of people
people think, oh, they're just sitting and they're on their phones all day, which is kind of correct, but there's a lot of work because you have to network yourself, you have to be very consistent in your posting, you have to figure out different trends, what to wear, everything. It takes a, it's a giant puzzle. Okay. But it's really a game of luck also. Okay. Why, why did you want to become an influencer? Um, I've always loved being able to help motivate and inspire people to do whatever it is that they want to do in their life and show like you're beautiful, you're handsome, you can do whatever you want as long as you put your mind to it. And I think that's really the best thing because there's so many kids that look at social media too. Absolutely. Grow up with these influencers and they are such a good example for the younger generation behind us. Are you thinking about doing podcasting, starting your own podcast or anything like that? I have definitely, definitely thought about it. I'm also Breaking into the modeling and acting world as well now. So I think a podcast could be really fun and I have been thinking about it. So yesterday we met actually briefly and then, but you are going to be shooting a feature in Texas. Talk, talk, talk to me about that. Um, it is a indie movie film called The Last Battleship. It is produced by Steamhouse Entertainment and I am playing a petty officer and um, so it is a military movie but picture the military in space. Okay. So all of the battleships that like the military uses down here in the water and stuff um, will be up in space and there's like a giant fight for them and you have to get to one destination with the last battleship because there's only one left and you have to get it to the safe spot. Okay. So me and a lot of my friends are actually in this movie together. So how did the production company get a hold of you? How did you even get involved with this project? Um, one of my friends, Bella, is a part of the movie. She's one of the co-producers of the movie as well. And it was actually at her 16th birthday party and the producer was there and none of us knew he was going to be there. Bella didn't even know he was coming. So I thought that was pretty cool. And he saw me at the party and he was like, hey, do you want to break into this? I have an offer at a role. Maybe you're interested. And we talked about it for probably like half an hour to an hour. And I was like, okay. I think that sounds like something I'd want to do. So that's how that um, all got started started and I got cast in it. So is it a big role? Like, um, are you co-starring this or are you the lead? I am not the lead, um, but it is definitely a bigger part because I also, I'm part of the like medical team in the movie and I am playing a doctor as well. Okay. So it's like petty officer slash doctor also. Okay. So is this, I'm sure you don't know this, but I'm going to ask you anyway, Do you, is it going to be streamed or is it for streaming or is it a, for a um, festival? It is for a festival first, but we're looking and hoping to put it into theaters if we can manage that because we're also going to try to make this a trilogy with a prequel as well. Wow. You guys got a big project in hand. So you're in this one. You might be casting all of them. Yeah. Yes, thankfully. And there's also a new horror film being um, drawn up right now by Steamhouse Entertainment. And they're looking to cast me in one of the roles as well. Okay. So I'm assuming, do you have an agent now or are you independent or um, how does this work? I am independent at the moment, but I am in talks with an agency right now. I have orientation on November 4th where they're going to um, give me the offer officially. Okay. That's really good. That's exciting. Thank you. It's definitely exciting because ever since I was like eight, this is what I wanted to do. So they said that to me and I, my inner child screamed with joy. I gotcha. So what separates you from other influencers? Why should people follow you? Um, well, I just, I really like to spread a positive base and show 
um, uniqueness because I have a lot of different chronic illnesses actually. So I have had a lot of surgeries and I have a lot of scars on my body. Okay. So I like to show everybody, kids, teenagers, adults, the um, seniors, anything that even if you have these problems and you might have scars, that doesn't take away from your beauty or anything about you. It just adds to it. It adds like layers to the story. Okay. No, so. I got you. I like to build like confidence and everything else regarding that and um, just be positive and because the world just needs a little bit more kindness. Absolutely. I 100% agree with that. So, yeah, that's really cool. Thank you. Are you planning to do any other horror conventions this year? I don't think this year, but I'm hoping for a couple next year. Okay. What, what shows are you thinking about heading up? Um, definitely Spooky Empire again, and I'm thinking about Spookala, and there's also going to be a Spooky Empire in Charleston, South Carolina next year, actually. Really? I did not know that. Yes, I just found that out yesterday from one of the people that work here. Okay. And so I'm hoping that maybe I could do that one as well. What is your biggest uh, platform you're most active on? Instagram, definitely. Okay. How many followers have you got? Um, a little over 30,000. Oh, wow. You've been doing... How long have you been posting? How long have you been doing this regularly? Um, about two years now. Okay. That's that's pretty impressive. Thank you. Okay. And where? what is your Instagram? Where can people find you at? Um, it is um, at the and all um, lowercase T-H-E underscore jazz, J-A-Z, also in lowercase, and then official, and that is the name. Okay. So it's at the jazz official. Okay. Anything else you want to add? Um, not too much, but just remember, stay true to yourself, be unique, um, embrace everything about yourself because you're you're only here once, so why, why spend it being miserable? Oh, no, that's absolutely right. All right, guys. Well, thank you for checking out the episode. Uh, please like, subscribe, and until next time. Thank you so much. Thank you. Hello, guys. Welcome back to You Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast. We are still reporting live from Spooky Empire, Orlando, last day of the convention. And I'm joined with a special guest. Who do I have? Hi, uh, you have Derek Cavagnano, author of The Art of Dying. The Art of Dying. So you're an author. Yes, that's correct. Okay, so let's back up for a second. How did you get into being an author? Um, well, you need to scoot that forward. You can a little bit. Sure. It's up to you. Yeah. So I started. I started writing. I actually wrote my first novel when I was 15 years old. Really? That's a. a that's pretty challenging. Yeah. I mean, it was sort of a fantasy ripoff of um, The Talisman by Stephen King and Peter Straub. So it'll probably never see the light of day. But it was just something I started just stumbling on writing a few sentences because I was bored on my, my computer program. And, right. Um, you know, then I just kept asking myself questions like, well, why did this happen? And then, you know, 450 pages later, I had a book. And then I was like, hey, I could do this. Um, so, yeah, that's how I got started in this. Is this... So, that's your first book that so, wasn't published. Yes. So, is this your only book that's published now? Um, no, I have three, and I just finished the fourth, and I'm editing the fourth now. So, that'll probably be out in a few months. Okay. So, where does this fall into... In the, this is the same story, but 
over three books? Yeah, so this one actually, the one I wrote before this was called The Righteous and the Wicked, and it was more of a sci-fi suspense thriller. Okay. Um, and the lead character of that was sort of like a lonely young widower who he stumbles upon like a a secret cult, secret society of immortals and like the know, Highlander. More, but more from the perspective of it was a scientist who discovered a cure for aging and disease. Okay. And he's sort of like this really um, everything for the greater good type of thing. And his idea is like, I want to um, preserve the world for, you know, our generations, but like everyone else is ruining it. Okay. Right? So anyway, the, the lead character of that, his brother is a Boston police detective who ended up being, you know, much larger than life. So I'm like, oh, that guy needs his own book. So that's okay. what, how this book came about. Okay. Um, and so this book, The Art of Dying, is... Um, it's about a serial killer. Who oh, really? Essentially, um, he's an artist. He also has a medical, you know, some medical knowledge. And his art, which, so his victims are people who have wronged him over time. Okay. Like his elementary school bully, other things like that. And so his deal is that he hangs them in his gallery on the wall and he makes living works of art out of them. Okay. Uh, sometimes they end up missing a limb or two. Okay. Um, he kind of makes them into something else, transforming them into his vision of what their true, uh, you know, kind of what their true being is. So one guy's a tarantula. Um, wow. So okay. In any event, um, the first guy who dies in the book is a mob foot soldier for the Irish mob. Okay. And so this is set in Boston. And so like, you know, kind of like a warring Irish-Italian mob uh, faction. Uh-huh. So the Irish mob thinks that the Italian mafia killed their guy. Okay. And so it sparks this escalating mob war. And meanwhile, it's really the serial killer at work. And so as the detective starts unraveling this, he's navigating this mob war. Um, while also trying to solve a serial killer case. So that it's, sounds it's super very, cool. It's very like Seven meets The Departed. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's, that's Have you ever tried to sell this for like a screenplay? Yes, um, I am actually working with the production company right now uh, with Voyage Media. So I signed a shopping agreement with them. Okay. So they're now, so we packaged it up. They're, you know, they think it would be best as uh, an eight episode like web series or a TV series. Uh, yeah, a TV series, I'd do the same thing. Yeah, so we are right now shopping it around. Um, haven't sold it yet, but um, we've done like a podcast series, okay. like a podcast episode the pilot right script so okay uh, but yeah we're getting some traction on it there's people asking for it and reading it and reviewing it um, but it's you know it's it's indie published okay but it's gotten some attention it's won a bunch of awards so um, I'm pretty proud of it okay what separates you from other writers why should people go to your stuff and read your stuff um, I think, you know, my stories tend to be character-driven, really character-driven stories, and I, I hate the types of books, and they're, they're fast-paced, it's usually pretty short chapters that are like, you know, page-turners, um, so people tend to keep, you know, wanting to read more. Okay. And um, I'd say, you know, 
the other thing too is just like I try to keep it real, grounded in reality, and just kind of human emotion. Let that drive the story. Yeah. Um, and you know, being a like I hate reading books when you're like that could never happen. Right. Right. right? So everything is like the from the police procedure to the places they go to, you know, what the autopsy technician would be looking at and doing. I try to make that all, you know, as realistic as possible. No, that makes sense. Who was your inspiration as a writer? Like, why horror? What inspired you to be a horror writer? Yeah, good question. I would say Stephen King really was the first person who, who like, I, like, started. My sister got me introduced to Stephen King. I was, like, a reluctant reader. I didn't want to read anything. Okay. And then I was 15, and that's when I mentioned I read The Talisman for the first time. I was like, wow, this is, like, fantastic. So then I read all of his stuff that was out there, and then I went on to Peter Straub and... Um, you know, Clive Barker and like others like that. So that's kind of how it all kind of came together for me. Okay. Where are you based out of? Um, I live in Tampa now, but I okay. grew up, um, I spent the first 30 years of my life in Boston. Wow, Boston? Yeah. So how did that transition happen? Um, my wife had family down here and she was sick of the winters. And so we always talked about, you know, not staying in Boston forever. So uh, we moved down here about 17 years ago. You got a lot of haunted attractions in Boston. There are, yeah. There's some pretty cool cemeteries. And so, um, so this book set in Boston and then okay. the follow-up book to this will be set in Salem. It'll be more of an occult crime thriller. Okay. Where, you know, the, the, the captain that this detective works for, his niece goes missing in Salem. Okay. And so he's like, I want my best guy on this. Yeah. So they end up um, getting pulled into this missing persons case that operating where there's a demonic cult operating at the fringes of Salem's witchcraft underground. Wow. I'm, I'm already sold. I'm <laughs> a, do you have any audiobooks? Um, I do, yeah. So The Art of Dying is available on audio. Um, and then I have a... I have a a pure horror story standalone work called Colony of the Lost which is more like my version of um, Roanoke Island disappearance but happening in modern day western Massachusetts in the Berkshires yes let's repeat tell me about that okay so that one is um, so imagine you know the wood, the woods of the Berkshires in western Massachusetts 300 years ago a settlement vanishes kind of the same way Roanoke Island does okay. people gone etc 300 years ago 300 years later in the modern day the children of the town start disappearing one by one um and then you know so the ancient evil has now returned right yeah and for various reasons there's only a few people who can kind of see the puritan ghost who's warning them about what's happening yeah uh the puritan ghost being the victim of one of the earliest right uh, of the earliest disappearance and so it really teams up a trio of unlikely heroes who's sort of like a an alcoholic school teacher who just lost his job because he's in that spiral. You're right. Um, you know, kind of like a wisecracking new kid in town, this teenage, 15-year-old teenager named Tim. Yeah. And a nine-year-old girl who's got imaginary friends. Okay. And so somehow they have to kind of come together and as strangers and um, help, uh, you know, unleash this evil from the, from the town. Have you ever seen uh, Stephen King's The Storm of the Century? Yes, is that, that is where, the one when that's sort of like Linoge and yeah, that, yeah. Yes, is that is that where you got the kind of the premise of this? Um, it's not. Um, it's not. But um, there are some similarities. Yeah, and I don't know when that one was done. Like this one, I originally did Calling of the Lost in 1997, and then. Okay. My, 
being kind of independent, you know, yeah. at that time I kind of wrote it, rewrote it, sat on it for a while, right. and I released it like in a limited fashion, then I like finally re-released it in um, 2015. How does it, when you write a novel, how long does it usually take you to write it? Um, this, The Art of Dying took me four years. My new one took four years. I've got my day job, I get like a corporate job that's okay. pretty demanding, and then okay. I've got like, you know, kids, school age kids at right. home, so it's hard to find the time. But right, yeah. If, if I dedicated myself to it, I could probably do it in a year if I ignored everything. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's been taking me about four years. Okay. Where can people find your work at? Like if they wanted to buy the audiobook or wanted to buy the main cover, hard copy, where can people sure. find it? Um, so all of the books are available um, online. So Amazon, you go to Amazon.com, you type in my last name, which is Cavignano, C-A-V-I-G-N-A-N-O. You like Italian? This? Yeah. Okay. I'm Irish-Italian, so okay. that was also why the kind of the Irish-Italian mob war was- No, absolutely. Resonated with me. But yeah, so it's available through any any bookstore, Barnes and Nobles, etc., um, online. But uh, Amazon's where I do most of my sales. Let me ask you, why Amazon? You're not the only author I've had on the show, and they're like, "Oh, Amazon, Amazon. Why Amazon?" Yeah. You know, being like a kind of an independent author, it's like they're the ones who've catered most to us. Okay. Right? Like I know they've shut down bookstores and like it's there's bad blood there, but I can't tell you how many independent bookstores I've gone to over whether or independent stores or Barnes and Noble. Like it's hard. You get people like thanks but no thanks and like so you get a little bit of the cold shoulder. So you've tried to get your books in small stores and they don't let that happen? Um, in a number of them, yes. I've had more luck recently. Uh-huh. Um, with, um, there's a there's a place, uh, Books at Parks Place in um, St. Pete, who's been really great to us. And I think Barnes & Noble is starting to change their model up a little bit and giving more power to um, the individual manager to like have a local author section. Um, but I think in the past, it was all more corporate. And people right, were like, yeah. I'd like to help you, but I can't. Right. You know, so, um, but with Amazon, you can fully control everything okay um and you know they make it easy for you like okay. that's kind of their deal and so um it just it helps and you can do free promotions on amazon like i give away a lot of my ebooks for free to help build up yeah yeah like, you know it gets you to number one in horror on their algorithm people yeah. see it then they're like oh i'm on kindle unlimited i pay a subscription i'll read that and then you get paid per page and so yeah I was, that was my next yeah. this is kind of a personal question but do you make good money off of uh, amazon um no <laughs> okay um i mean i would say it's it, it's it's not as good as it used to be um but you know at least for me it's i'm a I'm acknowledging that I'm trying to get my name out there, right? Right, right. And then, you know, once you get to a certain bandwidth, then you can start maybe commanding more. But um, I've had like over 175,000 downloads of my books. That's like, great. Through, through just like the promotions on Amazon. So it hasn't like translated into a big windfall yet, but um, you know, it, it's helped to get me some notice from other places and outlets and things like that. So, well, thank um, you for answering that question. That was a bit personal, but I, be, oh, I appreciate it. I don't, I don't it. mind. I don't so, mind. So, yeah. Is there anything else you want to add? 
No, I think this has been great. I yeah. welcome you Where, What's well. your social media? Where can people find you at? Okay, so um, social media, I think I'm on, you know, face. I have a Facebook page, Derek Cavagnano, uh, Facebook. It'll just pop up if you type that in. And then the same thing on Instagram and Twitter. Um, my, I use my full name. Okay. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you for being a part of this show, and uh, we're looking forward to it. I'm I'm all in on your books, so awesome. I'm going to be looking for them. All right. Thanks so much. Thank you. Okay. Thanks. Welcome back, guys. Still at Spooky Empire last day. I am again joined with a special guest from You Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast. Who do we have with us? Hi, my name is Stephanie E. Jensen, and I'm an author. Okay. What, do, what book do you have? So right now I have The Howling of the Dead. This is my paranormal book. Um, it's about a couple. They inherit a cabin. And um, a lot of creepy stuff happens in this cabin. Um, trigger warning. Um, but one of my main characters inherits it from his aunt who unalived herself. So there is there are themes of that. Um, but my main character, Brayden, suffers from sleep paralysis. So there's a lot of those themes in the book because I've also had some like creepy sleep paralysis things. And um, there's some like folk inspired creatures that I came up with. There's a lot of like biblical like demon stuff uh, deals with a religion. So it's like a bunch of uh, creepy stuff in this book. But um, I mainly also write serial killers. I would bring my book Dissecting House, but it's sold out. So that one is about a female serial killer. Okay, I got you. So let's back up for a second. Absolutely. What got you into horror? Why did you want to become a horror author? So I started reading Goosebumps at a young age, and then that eventually spiraled me into uh, reading Edgar Allan Poe, H.P. Lovecraft, uh, some of the big main horror authors, historic horror authors, and then just browsing Barnes & Noble when I was a teenager, I discovered Laurel K. Hamilton. Okay. After reading her books, I realized that women can also write uh, very brutal scenes and sex scenes just as well as men could. Okay. So that to uh, in, inspire me as well. Um, and I, this book, The Howling of the Dead, is not really extreme horror. There are some more brutal scenes, but my book, uh, Dissecting House, is very much extreme horror. It's like I go, you know, level 10 with like the blood and the gore and all that. So that genre, um, I, I watched Rob Zombie's House of a Thousand Corpses at way too young of an age. Is that what inspired you for that? No. Um, so Dissecting House, it's about a female serial killer. And, um, and uh, so with that book... I, like so her her victims are men and okay. I wrote this book just to you know like how like for my male readers have an understanding this is what happens when women you know we go on a date with you we go into your car your house we're always thinking in the back of our mind what could you do to us and some of my male readers told me I changed their life they're like I never thought a woman could like torture and murder me apparently yeah I <laughs> I'm, I'm natural, naturally paranoid, and now I'm always like, <laughs> you could probably do something for me, so I'm to me, so I'm not gonna put myself in that position. 
but you can get in my car if you want to. <laughs> but we're not going to your place. So that's the difference. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> so have you always wanted to be an author? Yes. Um, I also started writing books at a young age. I was about seven years old. Well, well, let me backtrack, actually. I was always an avid reader ever since I could learn how to read. I always had a book in my hand. And then starting at seven years old, we were assigned to write a little story, and our teacher made a cute little book for us and everything. And my story was not horror. It was about a turtle who had no friends. Okay. Uh, clearly, I, you know, escalated a little far past <laughs> writing about turtles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Very much so. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so, and ever since then, I've always, I've always been a writer. I've never stopped. So why should people buy your books? What separates you in the world? I would, you know, as much as I love the horror genre, I do think a lot of these tropes are regurgitated. Um, I do hope I offer something new and fresh um, because I'm largely inspired by real life. Um, I think a lot of authors are inspired by what they've read or what they've seen in uh, in, uh, in movies and on TV, and I'm very much inspired by real life. Okay. So um, even some of my more fantasy elements like you know howling of the dead still deals with some real life problems such as uh unaliving oneself and everything mental health uh religion all of that i got you yeah where can people buy your books at so uh well i give you a business card um my amazon author page is the best place where you can buy my business card i mean where, where you can buy my books i apologize <laughs> um my social media, um, uh, my author website is infernalhorror.com. You can't buy my books there, but um, you'll see, like, you know, book announcements, stuff like that, uh, when I'll be at places here, like Spooky. Um, and my, uh, my, all my Instagram, Twitter, all of that, the handle is Infernal Horror. I know my Twitter's Infernal Horror 3. I think my... My Instagram is Infernal underscore horror, and then my personal page is Stephanie Infernal uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Um, but yeah, so Amazon, uh, just go to Amazon.com, search either my author name, Stephanie E. Jensen, or any of my book titles, and you'll find my books. So Amazon is the best place to, yes, to find you. Yes, I'm also on Godless, too, if you want to buy a digital copy as well. Is any of your books in actual physical bookstores? Yes. Oh, 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 oh no, a physical bookstore. I apologize. No, it's not. No? No. Right, is that the next step? Is that the next goal? I'm, I'm, I'm trying for that. I'm trying for that. Are you doing like book signings or anything like that? Is that the next step too? Uh, so I am trying to get a couple things planned for the end of the year and next year. Um, for anybody who's based in the Tampa area of Florida, that's where I'm based. So um, you might see me at like a couple breweries every now and again. But I do try to do as many of these conventions as much as possible. Um, I'm hoping to do Spookala next year. Hoping to do Spooky empire again um i'm still getting my schedule next year planned so uh follow me on social media and you'll be updated on all of that awesome yes all right well thank you so much for joining us yeah, absolutely definitely check her out go uh go pick up a book thank you for being on the podcast absolutely thank you so much for interviewing me yeah absolutely hey what's up guys we're back you Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast. We are still at Spooky Empire. The last day, it's been a crazy weekend. And I am joined with a special guest. 
Who, are, who do I have the pleasure with? So I'm Douglas Ford. I'm a Florida-based author of horror and dark fiction. Okay. So how did you get in the horror genre? Oh, uh, from the time I was a little kid. Um, basically, my parents liked to scare me for fun. Okay. And it sort of, it was, it turned out to be a pleasant feeling being scared by my parents who would hide in a hallway and jump out at me in the dark. And it's kind of a feeling I've been chasing ever since by writing my fiction. Okay. Yeah. So you've always wanted to be an author, kind of. I've always, yeah, I've always wanted to write. It's okay. always been my jam. Did you Absolutely. go to school for it or anything like that, or did you I, just just start picking up a pen? I'm an English major, so okay. I, uh, I, I've kind of filled my life with books and words, and I especially like the scary words and the scary adjectives. So okay. I'm into that, yeah. Is how many books do you have out? Oh, I've lost count. I have, I think, eight books out okay. under my name. Okay. Um, and I'm in many, many anthologies and magazines with short stories. Okay. Um, most recently, The Trick from Madness Heart Press. I have an amazing publisher, an indie publisher. Okay. Based in Austin, and they've been really good to me. I'm also published by DNT Publishing, also really good to me. Wow. So, um, yep. Wow, that is really cool. How was it getting a publishing deal? Like, was it hard? Um, yeah, it is hard because, you know, publishers, uh, it, well, indie publishers will sometimes take a chance on somebody that at indie publishing tends to be a little more risk-taking. Okay. Uh, but it's still a competitive, uh, writing is competitive, and uh, horror is, it, there's a lot of horror writers today. Right. So we're kind of a, it's a crowded field. So it's, you know, you got work to make yourself stand out. Who inspired you to be a writer? Ooh. You know, my first my first awareness that there was a thing called horror fiction was Edgar Allan Poe. Okay. I was a little kid. Ooh, that's I great. A, I read a kid version of the House of House of the Falling the let me try that again. The the, the fall of the House of Usher. And okay. it was, um, I was, the scene of Madeline coming out of the crypt really freaked me out as a kid. Okay. And so I realized I kind of want to do that, you know. And then I learned about Stephen King and I read Stephen King, Stephen King's Cujo at a really young age, probably far more impressionable age than I should have. And I kind of, that stuck with me. And um, now I'm doing it as an adult. Okay. Hopefully traumatizing children everywhere. I like it that you said Edgar Allan Poe because most people say oh Stephen King you know but I like that that's different I like the gothic stuff I I've, and I still kind of gravitate towards gothic imagery uh, even as I my books tend to be a little on the weird side more okay. transgressive side I still love the gothic stuff I like the decaying house okay and the uh, you know the tarn beneath it and the idea that it's gonna fall into the tarn and somebody is gonna rise from the crypt you know and come out and yeah. cause all sorts of havoc. Yeah. So I see that you have a book with us. What is this one? So I have uh, one of my novellas with Madness Heart Press called Little Lugosi, A Love Story. Okay. Which is, um, I'm proud to say it's an award winner. It's the, uh, the 2022 award uh, winner of the Li Literary Nasty Award. Okay. Uh, and um, for transgressive fiction. So this is one of my tr more transgressive, edgier titles. It's a love story involving a leech. A leech? And, uh, it's kind of a folk horror story because it also okay. involves a pig cult. And, um, and well. And, so a and leech, leech 
in a pig cult, okay? Yeah, the leech grows and it becomes sort of integrated into the uh, couple's love life in uh, some twisted ways. And um, I'm proud. Of, I'm really proud of this one because it is. I believe it truly is a love story. It okay. Doesn't necessarily end the way you want a love story to end, or it might. I don't know. It depends on your idea of love. Okay. But, um, I'm proud of this one. Okay. What separates you as an author? Um, I I tend not to fall into an easy category. Okay. Um, I've when I'm asked where I fit in, I tend to. I tend to, I do have a novel that is a Southern Gothic novel, uh, The Beast of Asaria County. At the same time, I have a novel that's heavily uh, influenced by occult imagery called The Trick, also for Madness Heart Press. Okay. Um, my short stories run the gamut. Uh, okay. Some of them gravitate a little toward the extreme side, others more towards the suggestive kind of uh, quiet horror side. So I don't tend to fit into a category, which is probably my hallmark um so i hope that works for most people okay why should people buy your books um because they're awesome they're They're awesome awesome. go ahead and say it they're awesome i I, they were fun to write and they entertain me writing them i tend to write my stories not always knowing how it's going to work out i tend to write my stories not always knowing what the next chapter is going to be and i entertain myself along the way and i think if i entertain myself and i'm pretty discerning if i entertain myself i think somebody else might be entertained by it yeah yeah so where can people buy your books at? So all my titles can be found on Amazon, as most most titles are. Uh, I do have some eBooks on uh, that are available from Godless, which is an amazing independent bookseller that you can find online. Godless gives uh, donates their much of their proceeds towards victims of sexual trafficking. Okay. And um, it's a wonderful company that if you don't want to support Amazon, uh, I do have some of my titles for, through Barnes and Noble and. Uh, other indie bookstores. You can also reach me at douglasfordwrites.com. Okay. You can find me on social media. If you reach out to me, you want a signed copy, I'll make sure you get one. So let's, let me ask you this question. How do uh, publishers make money off of ebooks? Do you have to sell them for a subscription or? Oh, uh, with ebooks, you buy them like you would a normal book. Okay. And, um, the, um, it's, it's Amazon takes its cut and the publisher takes its cut and I get royalties from okay. it. Okay. Yeah. That's really, so you like selling on Amazon. I, I, it's kind of a necessary evil. Okay. And because, you know, Amazon, like any big corporation, the, the bad part of it is it tends to freeze out indie booksellers sometimes. And we want to support the indie, independent books bookstores. But Amazon is easily available. So it right. is, has this good side that you can find, you know, go on Amazon and, and have it delivered anywhere. And, it, you know, without Amazon, a lot of us writers would be, you know, it'd be harder to sell our books. So, yeah. I hear, I hear they cater to you guys more than most, like, established bookstores. Yeah, people who uh, do um, their more independent publishing, uh, self-publishing, it's, Amazon can be really good. And I, I haven't done self-publishing, uh-huh. so um, I can't speak to that. But I do know people who do it, and they really like it. Absolutely. So you are involved with Spooky Empire. 
Yes, I am. How did you get involved with Spooky Empire? So I've been coming to Spooky Empire since I think about 2016 or 2017 as part of the creator's track. Okay. We have a line of panels where writers, filmmakers, podcasters get together and talk about different topics. We have a lot of fun doing it. I'm currently the co-coordinator of the creator's track, and uh, we put together a great program this year. Uh, we talked about everything from Florida horror to quiet horror to psychological horror uh, to podcasting, and we, we had a great time this year. Okay. We would love to be so, actually yes, a part about that. We get you into that. Yeah, yeah that, that is something we definitely want to do. Yeah. One more time, how do people find you on social media? At DouglasFordWrites.com, you find my website, Douglas, Douglas Ford Writes on, um, on Facebook. Author Douglas Ford on Instagram. You can reach me there and I will reach back. Okay. Well, thank you so much for being part of the program. Is there awesome. anything else you want to add to this interview? Stay scared, everybody. Stay scared. Awesome. Stay spooky. We'll see you guys later. All right, guys, thanks for listening to the episode. Hope you enjoyed all of those interviews. As we said, we have a lot of fun stuff coming up, a lot more interviews with some other people. Things, interviews that you guys are going to want to pay attention to. Mm -hmm. I am super excited for them because let's just say uh, Mikey, you know, my favorite uh, horror character is involved heavily with some of these people. I'm doing another awkward wink if you're listening. Subliminal message, if you don't, if you will. So excited for those interviews. But yep, and we will, as we said, do some more movie reviews for sure. Blade is still on the bucket list to get done and get out, and along with some others. So yeah, thank you for tuning in. Mm-hmm. Please like, subscribe, and mm-hmm. tell a friend about the show. Yeah, absolutely. All right, thank All you. All right, stay spooky. You Can't Kill the Boogeyman podcast is produced and hosted by Robbie and Sammy Brooksby as part of the Limitless Broadcasting Podcast Network. Post-production and intro by Sammy Brooksby. Follow the show on Instagram at BoogeymanPod. You can also follow the Limitless Broadcasting Company at Limitless Broadcasting and your horror hosts at Robert1950Studios and at The Samalam. We also have a TikTok at 1950Studios. Email your creepy comments and spooky suggestions to us at boogeymanpod at gmail.com. Don't forget, everyone is entitled to one good scare. Have a horrific week!